All right, welcome to another episode of the Generation Z podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about something called the nine unknown, or as some refer to them as the nine unknown men, and the eternal books of power. Now, as sensational as that title might sound, there's actually some evidence to provide the existence of these men. And at the very least, at worst, okay, it makes you think nonetheless about society today and how those types of principles could be applied to us spiritually mentally physically uh, you name it right so according to wikipedia because i want to break this down very quickly first the nine unknown is a 1923 novel by talbot mundy and it was originally serialized in adventure magazine it concerns the nine unknown men a supposed secret society founded by the Mauryan Emperor Ashoka around 270 BC to preserve and develop knowledge that would be dangerous to humanity if it fell into the wrong hands. The nine unknown men were entrusted with guarding nine books of secret knowledge. Now, they claimed, these authors that I just mentioned, claimed that the nine unknown were real and had been founded by the Indian Emperor Ashoka. Here's the thing. Because it was 270 BC, it's kind of hard to keep a record of that. So I'm not going to sugarcoat that in any way, shape, or form. With that being said, there is evidence to suggest that Pope Sylvester II, around the same time, had met with these men, and that 19th century French colonial administrator and writer Louis Jacquelat insisted on their existence. Okay, and then the nine unknown men were also the final dedicatees mentioned in the dedication of the first edition of Anton LaVey's Satanic Bible in 1969. Now, for those of you that follow Satanism or things surrounding that, I'm sure you're pretty familiar with Anton LaVey and his reputation and his credibility in a lot of things, particularly within the the I guess you could say realm or industry that he was involved in turned out to be pretty credible. With that being said, I'm not saying that because Anton LaVey said it, all of a sudden this these nine men existed. I'm just saying that when you have people corroborating this, it does really make you think. Okay, so that was all according to Wikipedia, just so I could break down the basic definition of it. Now, the thing about the nine unknown men that makes it different from other so-called secret societies, if you will, is that with the nine unknown men it was a secret society with the agenda of preserving information and knowledge because ultimately and as cheesy as this might sound because you might have heard it so often knowledge and information is truly the ultimate power okay i mean someone said to me one time it's something along the lines of if you have physical strength you can take down one man but if you possess vital and unique information and knowledge you can take down a thousand men Okay, and obviously that's metaphorical, but you kind of get the idea of where I'm going with this. So the interesting thing about this, about all of this, is that not only did the nine unknown men have meetings with the Pope, supposedly, but the reason why there were nine of them is because Ashoka, the emperor, had broken down the necessities of life into nine different categories or the, the necessity of of the knowledge of life into nine different categories and one of the reasons why too that this wasn't put into one big book is so that if for example one of the men was compromised or he had some type of devious agenda that didn't match with what ashoka had initially created this society for you still have another eight gentlemen that could preserve this so-called 
uh, secret society and keep the the proper agenda or the initial intent of that agenda moving forward. So this is where it's going to get interesting. These men, these nine different men, worked in nine different fields, and each one of them had their own book that had supposedly, I guess you could call them the answers to, I don't want to say life, but a lot of aspects of life that we are still trying to figure out to this day. So the first book was Propaganda, and this is according to thegone.net. So Propaganda was the first book, which was then uh, allocated to the first man. The second book was Physiology. The third book was Microbiology. The fourth book was Alchemy. The fifth was Communication. The sixth was Gravity. The seventh was Cosmology. The eighth was light, and the ninth was sociology. Now, I'm not going to sit here and break down all those books because ultimately we don't know what's in them. We don't know if they still exist to this very day, or we don't know if this was just some type of metaphorical or analytical analyzation and sort of interpretation to sort of just kind of give people a little bit of a better understanding of life, right? With that being said... It seems interesting that things like alchemy, propaganda, microbiology, cosmology, light, sociology, all kind of intertwine into one. And this is something that science and religion have been trying to prove for so long. And it seems like they're always kind of butting heads because religion has one side of the story. Science has their scientific data. And so there seems to be a bit of butting of heads. But it's a little bit ironic that a lot of the most renowned and credible scientists, not all of them, but a, a fairly decent sized percentage of them do indeed have religious beliefs. I believe it was Albert Einstein who said, and I'm, please forgive me if I butcher the quote, something along the lines of religion without science is nothing and science without religion is worthless, something along those lines. Those weren't the exact words. But anyways, according to the Gon.net, the theory about the nine unknown men of Ashoka came into the limelight in 1923, like I mentioned earlier. Now, the difference between this secret society and others was that in this particular society, it was all about the preservation of the so-called secrets of not even earth, the secrets of what encompasses life all around us. And these nine books supposedly contained all of that. Now, there are some theories that these, some of these um, nine books were then interpreted and extrapolated from Pope Sylvester II to then become part of what we now know as the King James Bible. Whether or not these were literal meanings or metaphorical stories, uh, sorry, literal stories or metaphorical ones, we, we can't say. It comes down to interpretation, okay? And ultimately, it's what we want to believe, and that's kind of the, I guess you could say, the, the, the mental barrier that's put in front of us a lot of times when it comes to debating things like religion and science and energy and spirituality. But I think the whole purpose of this is that these nine books were meant to be one in the same. They all intertwine and they all explain one another. And I've been trying to explain this for a little bit while, a little while now on the show. But the problem is that when I myself don't have all the answers, just like I'm sure many of you out there don't either, it's very hard to put things together. But at the very least, I mean, the, the least we could do is try, right? Now, according to the Gone.net, the story goes that after witnessing the destruction of the Kalinga War, Ashoka accepted Buddhism 
and renounced war. He then subsequently created a supreme council of nine most intelligent men from the land in which he ruled to collect information about various subjects and preserve, revise, and update this information. All this was done in absolute secrecy, and no one knew who these nine men were, because if anyone knew their identity, just like in today's day and age with a lot of, I guess you could say, uh, secrets that need to be kept, it would compromise the influence and the, uh, the ability for these men to remain anonymous and remain unbiased and impartial. Now, they were asked to tour various places disguised as Buddhist monks, spread ideas of Buddhism and nonviolence, and in the meanwhile, while doing this, collect information and continue with their research. If they retired or died, their successors, which were appointed by them, would take over and continue the work. Now, that's a, that's a direct quote from thegone.net. You should check them out. It's a pretty good, uh, pretty good site that breaks this down. Now, again, we, we have to play devil's advocate here, okay? Because at the end of the day, regardless of what time period, regardless of where on the planet you were born or you grew up or doesn't matter whether it was a, a million years ago, a thousand years ago or, or today, there's always going to be conspiracy theories and the truth will always be distorted. Okay, so ultimately, the question is this. Is it myth or is it fact? Because if it's fact, then these are things that we should be taking much more seriously than, than before. Now, the thing about this is that I don't know for a fact based on my research as to whether or not this is entirely accurate. But the thing about this is when you put together a coalition of people a group of, of men or, or women or what have you to preserve information in the most unbiased way possible. What you're going to have naturally just through the course of time as one of the, say, as each of the, the nine unknown men pass away, there's going to be another nine to replace them. Just like with anything in life, whether it's secret or not, you kind of, for, for, for the most fundamental roles within a society, there will be people to replace them because just like everybody else, we're human and we all, everyone is born and then everyone dies eventually, right? So the thing about this is that Ashoka supposedly, the emperor supposedly said that these nine, nine unknown men throughout the course of many thousands of years would only give these books of information to leaders and other influential figures of science and religion and, and magic and, and occultism and cosmology if these nine unknown men determined through an inner vote that the this so-called leader or public figure or a, a figure of authority deemed to be worthy of receiving it. Now, the, the interesting thing, too, is that nine is an uneven number, okay? We can relate that to today's day and age of the United States Supreme Court. You got nine judges on the court, so no vote or decision can ever be fair and bal uh, can ever be balanced and that's the whole point because you need to have a majority in order for a, um, a a certain conclusion to be determined okay now it's interesting because the nine unknown men ties directly in with the knights templar and you may say okay how does that work well during the time of the Knights Templar, many of the popes during this particular time, which ruled out of, I guess you could say in a certain way, I don't want to mischaracterize it, but probable authoritarianism just because of how ruthless they were during these times, seemed to preserve the nine unknown men's, uh, the nine uh, 
sorry, books of secrets, and only revealed very little to the public when deemed necessary or when deemed to be able to use as a form of propaganda. Because let's not sugarcoat it. The the Christian faith, the the, the, the Muslim faith, many religions use one form of propaganda or another. Now I say that very carefully because I don't want to be misinter I don't want people to misinterpret what I'm saying here. I'm not saying religions are all bullcrap, and I'm not saying that they're all true either. I'm just saying that in one form or another, just like as you walk out of your house and you go to work and you see different advertisements as you drive on your way to work, that is a form of propaganda. So just so you can understand what I'm saying. Now, what's also interesting is that throughout the many thousands of years, within these nine books... It speaks of triangular-shaped, floating, I guess you could say, objects. Now, I hate to, I hate that I have to keep bringing this back to UFOs, but, and I'm not looking for something that isn't there, so to speak, but at the same time, you cannot deny the fact that there's always, whether it's a religious scripture or um, some type of historical text, there's always some type of gods or beings from above. Okay, excuse me. Now, with that being said, I don't want to say directly, okay, the, the nine unknown men and UFOs, boom, it's the same thing. No. But what's interesting is that when these triangular shapes came, it seemed to match in timeline wise, it seemed to match up directly, okay, with when these books were allegedly written. And so what I mean is that there was supposedly these gods from above that came down with their triangular spacecraft or whatever uh, craft or name they gave it back in the day. And then provided information to these nine, known, uh, nine unknown men. Now, it doesn't mean that there was a, a meeting of sorts. It could have been one individual saw one and then another one spoke to them. And I know how, how odd or um, unusual that may sound. But when you look at it, these books that are being supposedly alleged to have been the possession of a lot of different leaders today carry the same types of messages delivered that a lot of people who claim to have contacted EBEs or things like this are trying to push. We're talking about rising ascension in consciousness. We're talking about understanding the cosmos, understanding that science and spirituality are not just one in the same, but intertwined. A lot of things in spirituality could be explained with science and a lot of things that we thought even a hundred, like in this case right now, it's 2020. A lot of things we thought a hundred, 150 years ago that we can do now that everyone has in their homes would be magic. Television would be one of them. Uh, cars would be one of them. Well, cars maybe been more than 150 years ago, but you, you get the point, right? If someone, if we took a, a motorcycle, and I think Bob Lazar said, if we took a motorcycle and we dropped it into the 1500s, they would think it's magic. Now, with that being said, they would probably learn how to ride the motorcycle, but they wouldn't learn how the motorcycle actually worked just because they weren't, they just didn't know yet. They weren't that evolved to understand the mechanics of this motorcycle. Now, with that being said, let's apply that same philosophy here. Now, the nine unknown men, they didn't necessarily need to understand Everything that was written that they wrote down that they learned from these beings that came out of triangular craft from that they put into these books. But what they understood was that this information could not be 
brought out to the public or cannot be given to any leaders after Ashoka unless they deemed that these leaders needed some vitally some crucial piece of information to help the betterment of that society or civilization or if that leader was deemed truly unbiased and fair and and complicit in wanting to just push a positive agenda now that, that that's a little bit of a of a tough stretch to sell because then you, you get into the the issue of philosophical um, conflicts if you want to call it because then you start thinking to yourself okay how do we there's no black and white answer just like there is today in life and just like there was many thousands of years ago there's in a lot of cases when you're a leader trying to decide things or you're a person of influence with some responsibility it's very difficult to determine whether or not this person this leader's agenda is i guess you could say for the betterment of that society with that being said that's part of the reason why these nine different men had uh, a book to themselves each because of the fact that if a leader was say totally biased or corrupt in the let's just say in the aspect of propaganda but he was truly for the advocation of and and evolving microbiology for example so they would then provide some of the information truthful information from the microbiology book but they would keep that propaganda book the hell away from him because then he could just learn more propaganda tactics that could be used does, does that make sense I, I i hope that makes sense i hope i explained that in a good way now another thing as well too is that supposedly th this intertwines directly with the freemasons and the Illuminati. Now, I know the Illuminati's been more of a running joke on the internet in the last, I'd say, five, ten years. I know before that, people were all over the Illuminati and, you know, Skull and Bones and those groups. I can't speak for those groups. I, I really can't. Each country, each nation, each culture, particularly from a long time ago, for, forbade and and didn't allow certain books and scriptures and stories to be written or told and passed on because it defied what their what their agenda and their their sort of motive was yes their their, their modus operandi right now what i also want to mention here too is that it it's very skeptical because if we take a look for example at the nephilims and the giants the book of enoch now the book of enoch is not considered canonical or canon by the Vatican or the church. Now, the question then becomes, who are they to question what is legit and what is not? Now, just because it mentions giants and fallen angels, I mean, there are a certain group of people that automatically want to believe that because they want to believe in something a little bit bigger than the traditional uh, King James, the third Bible, I believe second or third, the King James Bible that is has been popularized among the West. But I think ultimately... The nine unknown men would probably despise leaders like the the Vatican or whoever, whatever committee of people came together and said, listen, the book of Enoch is a bunch of bullcrap. Because ultimately, I think the book of Enoch should be interpreted by that individual reader. There should not be any type of, well, I don't read it because, you know, the, the, the Vatican or the, the Christian faith and the those up top and, and the, the pope and the archbishops don't consider it to be canon or original 
or or you know yeah or 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 resourceful but ultimately i mean i could i could argue the same thing about the king james bible that they preach so much now again this same method i'm i'm not just i'm not trying to shit talk the christian faith this same method could be applied to other religions as well right now supposedly there's a little bit of a a spiritual interaction with these nine unknown men this information or this data is stored so to speak metaphysically which is interesting because it kind of endorses and provides i guess you could say support for the i believe it was socrates or plato who spoke about the idea the metaphysical idea that each object each idea has its perfect form within the metaphysical realm but then once it transcends to this particular realm or dimension where we live it is just a variant form of that metaphysical object so for example just to make it very like this microphone for example there is a a concept in the metaphysical realm where this microphone is perfectly shaped perfectly built and is you know totally clean and it's got the perfect ideal of what metaphysically our subconscious is manifested to be but in reality it may be a little bit unperfect or it may not have been um manufactured the right way or something like this right and that that's kind of the whole idea but this so to speak has been called the the indian illuminati if you want to call it the the nine unknown men but regardless of what culture it comes from it has to make you think nonetheless because regardless at the very least okay if this was all just a load of crap and this was just a story made up it's eye-opening it's eye-opening because it defies the traditional logic and preservation of religious texts i mean for example and i'm going to go back to the christian uh faith again just for this episode why is it considered canon or original why are certain stories in the bible considered canon and original and yet certain detailed scriptures of giants and godly beings from above so to speak are considered non-original because it opens up a door that they don't want opened and when i say they who do you mean by they those at the top not the entire christian faith i'm not saying the entire but there are certain factions of gentlemen within power or women in power that don't want things to be put out there because it would be much harder to explain control and then it's just a chain effect because if you allow the nephilims and the giants to be accepted as as canon let's say then you have to explain that and there's a lot of things that they don't want to talk about that the vatican and the 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 leaders of the christian faith around the world don't want to talk about when you bring up the book of enoch even though there are three different books of enoch if you put that all into one they don't want to talk about any single one of them and so what does that tell you ultimately right so i want you guys to let me know what you think of the of ashoka's nine unknown men and the uh the nine secret books because ultimately because it was from i think it was 270 bc that i mentioned so long ago it's very hard to get a read on what's real and what isn't but like i said either way even if this was just a story created by the emperor shoka himself either way the goal i think is to make you think and open up your mind and become a little bit more aware so let me know what you guys think and we'll catch you next time thank you